0: Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. On this quiet Thursday in Philadelphia, really no news, nothing going on with the Eagles. It's like you can't even turn away from the computer. I was just telling my producer, Xander, I got to constantly be on my phone with all the news popping from the NovaCare Complex. Season is over, but the news is just getting started, so we're going to break it all down. Big press conference yesterday. Give you guys my opinion on that. I want to get some of your opinions in the chat on that as well. And then news breaking this morning, as expected, it looks like Vic Fangio is en route to Philadelphia to sign a contract to become the new defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. So I want to talk about that as well. And we're going to be joined like we are every Thursday by my man, Mark Farzetta. Get Farzi's opinion on a lot of this. If you guys were here last week when Farzi joined the show, him and I disagreed about what the future direction should be of this Eagles organization. I wanted to keep Sirianni. He was ready to move on. So we'll talk about that as well. See if he feels any better now after that press conference yesterday and after the news of Vic Fangio being hired. But good morning to my Power Hour crew. We are live on the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube. We are live on TikTok as well. We are on Twitter. We're everywhere. So let's get a little roll call from the Power Hour crew. I see Wine Niners wine in the house early. Talking Philadelphia Flyers. Representing the Fly Guys today. But we'll talk a little bit of Fly Guys. But mostly Eagles will carry the day today. I see Jason A-team heat-seeking moisture missile, David Laprati, Bridget Tobin, prettiest girl in the chat. I'm a little biased. Prettiest girl in the chat. It's my fiance, so you guys don't think I'm just a creeper. William Stark, Stephen Patton, Elliot, Kevin Savard, Dankbirds, Twiz, Denise Lorada, Michael Robertson, Decoy Gaming, John Harvey, Bryguy, we got a lot of people in the house today. Sorry if I missed you, but welcome in. To the power hour. But before we jump into the Eagles, because they're going to carry the day today, Flyers back in action tonight. I think they have the Red Wings tonight. And obviously, the news yesterday, we talked a little bit about it with Carter Hart and the investigation. So we'll see how things play out with all of that. I'm not going to comment too much on that. I want to see how all that plays out. But Breer had his press conference yesterday. Sixers are also back in action tonight against the Indiana Pacers. Unfortunately, I was hoping to see a big test for the Sixers, but Halliburton is still out with an injury, so Pacers are a little shorthanded, but they're back in action tonight. Let's see what Embiid does as an encore to his 70 points. But let's jump in because obviously it is all about the Philadelphia Eagles today. News reported right before the show, Vic Fangio will be the next defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to talk about that. But before we get into that, let's go back to yesterday's press conference. Howie Roseman, Nick Siriani, end of the season press conference. Let me first tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this already from a lot of people. The fact that they say the press conference is going to start at approximately 2.30 and they don't start the damn press conference until 3.01. 31 minutes. We all have lives. I'm sitting here at my computer waiting for the press conference to start for 30 damn minutes. We got stuff to do, man. And then they come out. And this is the part that pissed me off the most. I know people are angry about some of the things that were said, but this was the part that pissed me off the most is they sit down after coming out to the press conference 31 minutes late. And howie Roseman starts the press conference with let me explain why this took so long i think he's about to explain why they are 31 minutes late for the presser that we all are waiting for no he starts to tell us why it took so long that they didn't give us a press conference until wednesday when the season ended over a week and a half earlier doesn't even mention hey Sorry, we're 31 minutes late. It's just, hey, the reason that we're here on Wednesday and we didn't do an end of the season press conference last week. And he goes into the fact that they lost on Monday night and they gave the team off on Tuesday and they had to do exit interviews the rest of the week. Then there was a snowstorm. That just pissed me off. Not even a mention to, hey, sorry we kept you waiting for 31 minutes. Anyway, I'm I'm a very timely person anyway. I think punctuality is one of the best assets you could have. You tell someone you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, you should be there at a certain time. I can't stand being late. I will leave extra early just to make sure I'm not late for a meeting, to make sure I'm not late for a dinner or an event. I'll tell you what. You guys are getting me on a rampage now. Nothing pisses me off more. Then when you decide you're gonna to go to dinner with maybe another couple or a friend, and you guys agree on the time of dinner, and let's say you agree we're gonna meet at 7 o'clock for dinner. Well, I get hungry and I get hangry. So if you tell me we're gonna meet for dinner at 7 and you roll in at 7:30, oh, dude, I lose my mind. I lose my mind, man. Anyway, we got to talk about the Eagles, not about people showing up late. But let me give you a little bit of advice. Be punctual in your life. It's very considerate to the people that you told you'd be there. Anyway, let's jump into some of the things that were said, because I know a lot of people were angry about the press conference. I know a lot of people said this was the worst press conference they've ever seen. There were some good things in there that I thought. I wasn't happy with some of the comments that were made, but there were a couple things that were said that I was okay with. It actually made me feel better about the upcoming season. But let's first start, because I told you guys yesterday three questions I wanted answered. And the first question I wanted answered was, who made the decision to move on from Sean Desai with only four games left in the season and turn that defense over to Matt Patricia? And that decision ended up being the nail in the coffin of this season. The defense wasn't great. Before they switched over to Matt Patricia. But they at least had some good hands of football. Had some games where they held playoff teams to 17 or less points. But under Matt Patricia, it was a disaster. And I wanted to know who made that decision. And I don't care what they said yesterday. I think they were full of crap. Because Howie Roseman, when asked that question, said, Well, Nick Sirianni came to me just like he did when he wanted to change play calling duties to Shane Steichen a couple years ago and told me he wanted to make a change. And we fully support Nick Sirianni when it comes to the coaching staff, just like he supports what I do in the front office. B.S. I am calling B.S. There is no way in hell that that decision came from Nick Sirianni. That was a canned answer. And listen, This Philadelphia Eagles media department, they do a great job. Bob Lang does a great job. They have these guys prepped. They know what questions are coming. You don't think they listen to what we are saying and what things we want answered and have these guys ready to answer those questions? So they made the decision. We got to stick with Nick made that decision. No way. Not buying it. Not buying it at all. But now I will say, One of the things that I did like that came out was when they asked Nick Sirianni why they decided to move on from Brian Johnson. And I thought that Sirianni did give an honest answer here. The offense became stale at the end of the season. That anyone they bring in here, they want fresh ideas. Now, if you follow me, you know that what I wanted to see the Eagles do after I let my emotions calm is I wanted to see the Eagles stick with Sirianni, but bring in two new coordinators. And we'll talk about the defense in a second because it looks like they got their guy. But on offense, I wanted them to bring in a guy. And this was going to be one of my questions for Sirianni. Like I said yesterday. Are you going to give the new offensive coordinator autonomy to game plan and call plays and scheme the way he wants to? And that's what I loved about yesterday. Because when they asked Sirianni, no longer did you hear the, this is my offense, like we heard all season long when Brian Johnson was struggling. This is my offense. He said, this is going to be our offense. We are going to defer to this offensive coordinator. We're looking for fresh ideas. Yes, we'll use some of the stuff we did well over the years. We'd be crazy not to. I agree with that. But that this is going to be, make no mistake about it, whoever they hire, this is going to be their offense. And they went a step further to say, well, what are you going to do? What's your role going to be? He said, I'm going to be the head coach. Maybe even sit in on defensive meetings. That's exactly what I want. I want Nick Sirianni to be a CEO-type coach. I wanted a veteran defensive coordinator. Looks like we got it. I still want a veteran offensive coordinator. Not sure they're going to go that route or not. But whoever they turn this offense over to, I want it to be their offense. I want them to be able to game plan and scheme and call plays without Nick Sirianni saying, this is my offense. So that was my favorite takeaway from the press conference yesterday. That it looks like we are going to get some, as Sirianni said, fresh ideas for the offense. Now, jumping back to Howie Roseman, what I didn't like was when he was asked about personnel. Because if you followed the show yesterday, that was another question I wanted answered. Are you going to change your philosophy, specifically at linebacker, and devaluing the linebacker position? And when Howie Roseman was asked about the personnel on the defensive side of the ball, I didn't like that he said, there are some preconceived notions that we don't care about linebacker. And then went on to say, we had a lot of belief in the Kobe Dean coming in. We were confident that we would have been able to find an off-ball linebacker. And we did in Zach Cunningham. And if you look at the tape, Zach Cunningham had a really good season. That answer pissed me off. Because that answer to me was Howie Roseman basically saying, look, you guys think we don't value the linebacker. You don't know what you're talking about. Unfortunately, N'Kobe Dean got hurt. And hey, look at the guy we found in training camp. He played pretty well. Ridiculous. Your linebacking crew was an embarrassment this season. Now, if they're going to try to sell us on the idea that we're going into this season again, putting all of our hopes on N'Kobe Dean, and this is nothing against N'Kobe Dean. I know a lot of you guys who follow college football, oh, N'Kobe Dean's a beast. N'Kobe Dean's a beast. Maybe he is. Maybe he will be. He was great at Georgia. We've never seen him do it at the NFL level. He's played 34 career snaps before this season. He gets hurt twice this season. I didn't see anything great from him this year. Maybe he turns out to be an absolute stud. Maybe he turns out to be the guy he was at Georgia. But you do not know how this kid is going to respond now. We're going into his third season. You cannot go into this season with the same plan at linebacker. You cannot say we're going in with Nakobe Dean and we'll just find some cheap options who are available on one-year deal. They have to go out and find a player that can come in here and be a game changer at the linebacker position. Something you are seeing from the Baltimore Ravens. And the San Francisco 49ers and even the Lions and the Chiefs are getting good linebacker play. They have to change that mentality. And that, talking about Vic Fangio, that may be my favorite thing about Vic Fangio. Because guess what? This guy is going to want good linebackers. This is a coach who, before he was a defensive coordinator, was a linebackers coach for a decade. So that may be what I'm most excited about with Vic Fangio is let's hope and pray that he gets in the ear of Howie Roseman and says, we need better linebackers. And then in addition to getting those linebackers in the door is going to be able to coach them up because that's what this guy did for a really long time in this league. So let's talk about the Fangio hire. This may get some people angry. I know the Eagles crowd who wants more blitzing isn't going to like this. I'm excited for this hire. This is exactly what I wanted. I wanted a veteran presence on the defensive side of the football. I want a guy who has been doing this for a really long time. I wanted a guy who had some head coaching experience that could be a sounding board for Nick Sirianni. I thought that person was Ron Rivera. That was before we knew Vic Fangio was available. So I'm excited for this hire. And listen to this, guys. Just listen to me here, because I know everybody hears Vic Fangio and they get upset. There's a couple reasons why I think we should be happy about this. First of all, the guy has coached in the NFL for 33 seasons. He's been a defensive coordinator at the NFL level for 20 years. I told you he coached linebackers for a decade. He has the head coaching experience. But I want to go back to an interview that ESPN did before the 2019 season. They talked to Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur, three of the best young offensive minds in football. Definitely at the time, and I still think so right now. Three really good head coaches. And they asked all three of them, which defense is the most difficult to read and attack? All three of them said Vic Fangio's defense. Every one of those guys. And you could go back to the 2018 season when the Rams' offense really came onto the map, that Sean McVay offense. They went all the way to the Super Bowl that year. They looked unstoppable until the Rams played the Chicago Bears. Vic Fangio came up with a 6-1 look that really slowed down that Rams offense, and in fact, Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl used that blueprint to shut down the Rams and beat them in the Super Bowl in 2018. That's the guy you're getting here. And I know people get angry because he doesn't blitz as much as we want to blitz. And I've told you guys before on this show, blitzing in today's NFL is not the answer. Wink Martindale, second most blitzes this season. His team finished 29th in the league in sacks. Everybody wants Wink Martindale. Blitz, blitz, blitz. 29th in the league in sacks. He had less sacks than the damn Eagles did. And you saw how bad they were at the end of the season. Brian Flores, Minnesota Vikings, number one in the NFL in blitzing. They finished 19th in sacks, tied with the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Fangio's defense, 27th in blitz rate. Everybody's going to freak out. 27th in blitz rate, third most in the NFL in sacks you don't win in today's NFL by blitzing it's just not the reality I like this hire and especially look if you're going to run a Fangio scheme that they've been running now for the last three years it's pretty damn nice to get the guy who created the freaking scheme you want to run a Fangio scheme go out and get Vic Fangio to me love the hire but we're going to talk to Mark Farzetta when we get back, guys. I'm hoping Farz a little bit more positive today. Him and I were going at it a little bit last week, not agreeing. Curious if he agrees that Vic Fangio was a good hire. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back with my man Mark Farzetta. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey,
1: we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience,
0: To the Philly Sports Power Hour. Before we bring on my man, Mark Farzetta, I got to respond to my man, Mr. Rudy Poo, in the chat saying, Bill, if the DC doesn't blitz, I don't want to hear it. We are doomed. Well, Rudy Poo, I just gave you the stats, man. Brian Flores, number one blitzer in the entire NFL. 19th in sacks. Wink Martindale, number two blitzer. In the entire NFL, 29th in sacks. Unfortunately, this isn't Madden, and this isn't the NFL of the 90s, man. Blitzing just doesn't work as effectively as it used to work. You can create pressure without bringing the blitz. But let's bring on my man, Mark Farzetta, get his opinions on everything going on with this Philadelphia Eagles team. What's going on, my brother? <sighs> Well, I've done a lot of rushing around for it only being 10,
1: 20 in the morning. However, I'm in the best I have been in the last 24 hours, just polished off a nice peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's been a minute since I've had one of those.
0: So I'm all in all feeling pretty good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Look, I said to you, 10, 20 hit. You were here at 10, 20 because <laughs> we believe in punctuality. Philadelphia Eagles organization. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyone who watches my show knows punctuality isn't a thing. I, uh, I I all started at 6.05, 6.10, 6.30. I started today at 6.02. But that's, that's just because I had a I had a Fox 29 hit at 7.45. So I was actually on time today. So that there you go. But yeah, they, they started pretty late there yesterday. I, I was waiting for something to drop. I was waiting for some news because a lot of times they'll be around, like whatever the time is, they'll be within five, ten minutes of it. Yeah, Being a half hour, I thought, oh, wait, maybe something's cooking. And sure enough, midway through the press conference, Adam Shefty, Shefty bombs the press conference by being like, by the way, over here, Eagles are going to be
0: hiring Vic Fangio. Dolphins just let him go. It's a, it a, it an interesting press conference, needless to say. It was. And, and we'll get to the Vic Fangio news, but let's stick with the press conference for a second. And I will tell you, punctuality is something that I find very important. Xander will tell you, our producer, I am here every day, 957. Every single day. Today, They're I had a rush around. I had my kids this morning. Yeah. had to take them to breakfast. We went to First Watch. I like First Watch. I uh, took the kids to First Watch and then dropped them off, and then I had to rush back to be here. But they Let's go. talk about that that press conference. So It was funny. I was saying to the Power Hour crew before you joined, not only were they late, Howie Roseman then starts the press conference and says, let me explain why this took so long. And I'm thinking, <laughs> he means why they took 31 minutes. No, no, no. He meant why they hadn't been there since monday of the week before but what's your biggest takeaway from that press conference for us uh
1: that nick sirianni is if he hasn't been already as many people have already assumed he is the the biggest cheerleader he has ever been and it's it's really that simple and this is not about calling plays we have known for two years that nick sirianni is not a play caller He started out by being the play caller, said, this doesn't work for me as a head coach. I got to be the CEO head coach. Fine. But this has to do with the dwindling and diminishing power and authority of Nick Sirianni as an actual head coach of a football team, not somebody that is just holding a title. And it is insanely alarming to me that we have watched, if you follow the bouncing ball, This guy already lose power and lose authority with what it comes with. What he was hired to do, which was be an offensive head coach to this football team, and all through this year, you heard him talk about how it was his offense. Brian calls the plays, but it's my offense. And then yesterday, you hear him talk about it like he's a stranger to the offense. Oh, it'll be our offense when he's asked point blank. But hold on, Nick, the 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 offensive coordinator is going to come in. He's going to run the offense. It's it's still going to be your offense. Any. Head coach with any station, as as a guy with influence on the offense is going to say, Oh, no, no, yeah, it's still my offense, but you know, we, we're gonna have a new mind, and I want to be open-minded, mind, open open-minded to the new mind with the fresh ideas that is gonna be coming in here to help me out. Then Tim McManus VSPN came in. I it's not even from the top rope, Bill. It's from they they brought the ladder into the ring. The wrestler climbed the ladder. And, and brought the steel chair up with him, and then boom, onto Nick Sirianni with the question, so what is it you say you do here? And Nick Sirianni went, he repeated his title. He's the head coach of this football team. Yeah, it's great. That's not what he's talking about. What is the role you have? What will you be doing? And Nick could have very easily given us an answer that he already gave us uh, over a year ago when he announced that it was going to be Shane Steichen as the offensive play caller for this offense. Hey, I do the game plan. It's my game plan. And we're going to execute that game plan. And hopefully the new person coming in here, they'll have great ideas, fresh ideas to help us execute my game plan and execute my vision. But he didn't go to that. He went to sitting in defensive meetings. Dude, do you think Vic Fangio was looking for your advice? You think whatever offensive uh, defensive coordinator is coming in here is looking for your advice. I, what we watched yesterday was just a, a confirmation that Nick Sirianni is in the position not because he's a great head coach, not because he's a great strategist, not even unfortunately because he's some great motivator, because that went out the window towards the end of last season. We're, he's in this position because he makes Jeffrey Lurie feel warm and fuzzy about being the owner of a football team. That's the reason he's the head coach.
0: Oh boy, Farzi is not positive today again. But <laughs> how else do you look at
1: it? In all who looked at that press coverage yesterday and went? I feel great about the future of the Eagles. This is great. I can't wait for them to hire a great offensive mind. That guy helped elevate Jalen Hurts, and then that
0: guy's gone in a year. Like, great. This is great. Let me let me play devil's advocate here. Okay. And I've been getting accused of being a Nick Sirianni cheerleader from my You got to stop talking group. to Spuds, man. Stop talking so, to Spadaro. People were calling me Bill Spadaro this week. <laughs> but let me play a little devil's advocate, okay? Because this weekend, Sunday afternoon, we're going to watch two championship games. Yo. One of them is going to involve the Baltimore Ravens. They have a head coach who doesn't call offensive plays, who doesn't call defensive plays, who is a CEO coach in John Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. We're also going to watch the Detroit Lions play the San Francisco 49ers. And the Detroit Lions have a head coach in Dan Campbell who doesn't call offensive plays and doesn't call defensive plays and is a CEO head coach. Now, I know what you just said, that he was not able to motivate these guys the last six games of the season. But I do think when we look at the last three years, can we really just completely throw out the window everything that Nick Sirianni has been able to accomplish? Because when he did have a good offensive coordinator with Shane Steichen and he did have, I'm going to call him good, quote unquote, (laughs) Defensive coordinator in Jonathan Gannon, Yes, this team had a ton of success. Mm -hmm. They had one of the best seasons in franchise history that came up a half short of really being the best season in franchise history. So are we ready to just throw all that out the window and say Nick Sirianni can't have success in this league as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? I am. I am
1: absolutely, that's why I did not want him to return as the head coach of this football team. And the reason is this, look, again, the the play calling stuff is, I I don't even give it to, I don't even, it's so common throughout the NFL to not have a head coach. It's so much more common now for the CEO head coach than it's ever been. And I don't really have that much of a problem with it. But the other things that Nick Sirianni did well, at least had me believing in him towards the end, even right before that San Francisco 49ers game, even right after the San Francisco 49ers game, that he at least was going to come up With a better game plan, which was, by his own admission, his responsibility, Uh, he was going to come up with a way to pull this team's focus and make sure they were focusing on the Dallas Cowboys, and his offense couldn't even get into the end zone in that game. And then I had confidence that he was going to be able to go out there, motivate his team, which he had done in the past. Flower power speech, no better example. And he didn't do any of those four things. And then finally, the last thing for me was he looked at this season, and what really stuck in my crawl about yesterday's press conference was how much ownership he took over making the change from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. And Matt Patricia and, – and Howie Roseman said yesterday, oh, yeah, Nick came to me with that uh, you know, request, and our job is to support Nick. First off, let me just say this. I don't believe it, but let's – I said the same thing in the first okay. segment before. Okay. It. I said it was absolute BS, man. Okay. So – but Nick Sirianni then takes the – he gets asked the question. I think it was Jimmy Kemski asked the question. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? And Nick, rather than going down the hindsight revisionist history, said, you know, we are where we are now. Okay. But I made the decision at the time because I thought it was best. I thought it was best for our football team. This is a head coach that if he's not calling plays, then you better knock these other core values, whatever, out of the park. And he did a horrendous job of doing it. And the best case example of that, if he really did make the call, I had my – I – I thought it would be the best thing for the team at the time, there was no worse decision made with this football team than what they did with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia. And you can really tell that by the way the locker room responded to it openly into microphones. No better example than Darius Slay, no better example than Hassan Reddick. When he talked about how the higher-ups wanted to make that decision and how difficult it is to learn terminology from a new defensive play caller with four freaking games left in the season. And Nick Sirianni wants to be the guy that has his pulse, his fingers on the pulse of the locker room. It, it, it's abandoned ship. And and now he comes out with this press conference yesterday and he's talking about other people coming in. So great. So my vote of confidence in Nick Sirianni being this great CEO head coach is you be even more of a CEO where you're hands off and you do less and other people do more and somehow you're supposed to look better. That doesn't make me feel good about the very near future of the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, I'll paint it for you. If, if they have some great resurgence next year, those coordinators aren't sticking around. Vic Fangio well, probably is going to stick around. Fangio will. Fangio will, but probably not. Oh, by the way, it's not exactly a brag that Vic Fangio wants to come here. Your your geographically your your geographic location <laughs> is helping you make this this signing simply because
0: he wants to be here close to his family. Not great. So we're spending a lot of time talking about Sirianni and the yep. mistakes that he made, but don't you feel that Howie Roseman should share in the culpability of what we saw? on the defensive side of the football because Absolutely. I, agree, I agree with you. I felt like the nail in the coffin was switching from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. But let's not go back and rewrite history here. This mm-hmm. defense sucked all season long. They had some good halves under Sean Desai. I think they should have stuck with Sean Desai. But the real issue on the defense was a severe lack of personnel. And that came because Howie Roseman ignored the linebacker position, tried to fix it with aftermarket parts, ignored the safety position, tried to fix it with aftermarket parts. And the thing that bothered me the most at yesterday's press conference is when he was asked about that defensive personnel, Howie Roseman said, well, there are some preconceived notions (laughs) that we don't value the linebacker (laughs) position. Uh. But, so how much responsibility do you put on Howie Roseman for what we saw on the defensive side of the a,
1: a ton. Uh, to answer that question, a ton. There's no, there's no denying it. But in terms of trying to live in some semblance of reality, Howie Roseman is not going anywhere. Howie Roseman from Jeffrey Lurie is getting the Ed Snyder to Bobby Clark kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like li- flyer for life. All right, GM, yeah. director of player personnel for life. The the guy came back after the Chip Kelly debacle, came out of the broom closet that Chip and Jeffrey put him in. Chip's like, hey, get in there. And Jeffrey's like, you better get in there. And he got in there. And then he comes out, and two years later, he wins the Super Bowl. So he's not going anywhere. So when you look at what could possibly change, it's the head coach above anything else. That didn't. How he's not changing. But that doesn't mean, to your point, he is um, blameless in this scenario because this Eagles philosophy, and he did say before he said the line about there's a misconception about you know, whether or not we we devalue the linebacker position. There's not a misconception. We're just reporting the news of what you do. That's exactly what you do. You don't have it up there with the cornerback position. You don't have it up there with the defensive line position, obviously. You certainly don't have it up there even with the safety position. Granted, granted that over the last couple of years, you've had to you know scratch and claw to find somebody to play the safety position. And then when you finally had them in linebacker and TJ Edwards and in the safety spot in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they were gone they were gone. So no, you don't have that much value compared to the other positions. It's certainly a devalued position. But before he got into all that, he said, look, we make it pretty obvious how we like to build our team. And they do. When it comes to the defense, they want to build the defensive line and they want to build the corners. And for more context, Howie Rosen was asked a question about the defensive line. And that's how he answered it. He answered it by going off on his own, saying he took an opportunity there to say to everybody, all right, hold on a second. I know what everybody's thinking. We don't give a damn about linebacker. Nicobe Dean not being healthy enough to play is a huge hit to the future plans of the Philadelphia Eagles because they were going to get third round money on a starting middle linebacker for a couple of years. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's really going to work out because first you need to see Nicobe Dean stay on the football field to really make that fair assessment. But as of right now, it has been an utter failure.
0: That's one of the main things I'm taking away from them hiring Vic Fangio as a positive is this is a guy who coached the linebacker position for a decade. I can't imagine that he's not going to go to Howie Roseman and say, "Hey, look, we need better linebacker play." Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hoping. But don't get me wrong, look, I'm mad at Howie Roseman. I don't think he did a great job building this roster on the defensive side of the football, but I'm not calling for Howie Roseman's job either. Uh, for me, and this to get people angry, I was okay with Sirianni coming back. I'm more than okay with Howie Roseman coming back. He's done a great job over the years. I just want him to learn from the mistakes he made this offseason, thinking we can just put anybody at linebacker and safety, and we're going to be okay. But yeah, he certainly... So he's going to have to prove himself this offseason because they got a lot of question marks, Farzy.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the born again Roseman, ever since born again Roseman, he's been fantastic. Like ever since, ever since he got brought out of the broom closet, he's been great. I mean, look, you can't argue with getting to two Super Bowls with two different quarterbacks, two different head coaches. Now, some would say, well, how come he didn't stabilize things and had and repeated that, repeated that process? Well, because a lot of things have to go right, unfortunately, and it's difficult. However, to get back to those two with, two different co- coaches and two different quarterbacks is a, is a wild thing. Um the other thing is when it comes to trades, he has he has won those trades obviously. Kevin Byard, I know a lot of people don't like the way that panned out, but it was still you're making a better option there than what you had. You brought in Shaq Leonard which brought you nothing unfortunately. You also changed your defensive coordinator as we well know and we've well covered. But I look at this offseason as a day where or, or an offseason where they will will invest in their defensive coordinator, and I one thousand percent agree with you. If you're looking for a reason to be optimistic, if you're the the biggest Nick uh, Vic Fangio hater, if you're the biggest Vic Fangio hater, a reason to be optimistic is that they're not going to tell Vic Fan- Vic Fangio isn't coming here to be told what to do. Like he could yeah, just he retire. He's been around long enough. I'm sure he's doing fine. And instead of just living near his family, I'm sure he could like move in with them or something. <laughs> that he's choosing not to do that. He's choosing to stay in the game of football and he's not doing it to be pushed around or bossed around by Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. He's going to do he's going to do something very similar that I think Jim Schwartz uh, did, which was like, "Okay, you guys want me to run this defense? This is what I need. Let's party. Let's get after it. And I think linebackers, as you pointed out, absolutely are going to be a a, a much more uh, what's the word, a much more of much more importance and status on this Eagles defense.
0: I want to talk about Fangio before we do. I just got to get one more thing on you from Sirianni because a lot of people are saying Sirianni's a clown, that Sirianni is nothing but a cheerleader. Hmm. So what does Mark Farzetta, because you're ready to move on, what do you think the main reason was that this team had as much success as it had prior to six games? That we just watched. What was the reason that they had all of that success, and did Sirianni have anything to do with it at all? Um,
1: my biggest praise of Nick Sirianni is that, and I even said this during the season: the Eagles didn't have bad games; they had bad halves. And if you're looking for a non-play calling head coach to take ownership, you're looking for him to make sure the teams make sure the teams focused have a great game plan for whatever side of the football is his level of expertise. So defensive head coach, you want him to, hey, if you're not calling plays, the defensive game plan is set and good to go. And you want this team to to make sure that even if bleeding starts, you're able to stop it. And he didn't have any of those answers. And I know everyone wants to talk about how great it was to go to the Super Bowl last year. It was, it, this wasn't like you leaked oil at the end of the season and you, you know, barely made the play. This was a historic collapse that he is the guy with his name all over it as the head coach and he couldn't come up with any solutions not only did he not come up with solutions bill he found a way to make it worse you're on the titanic and this guy's picking up bales of water from the ocean and dumping them in the boat that's not how it's supposed to work you're supposed to be able to plug the hole and and that's unfortunately what happened and i thought one of the most telling things from yesterday's press conference was when he answered the question, when he actually answered the question, Bill, with anybody with, with a pair, man, you get asked the question, what's your, j- okay, so what's your job anyway? And you're supposed to be the guy in charge and you actually take the time to answer the question. You're just giving, you're, you are legitimizing the question. I would have been so happy. I, I I swear as someone that wanted uh, uh, Nick Sirianni fired, I would have been so happy and be like, good for you. If he would have said, I'm the head coach of an NFL football, like of a football team. What do you want? What do you mean, what's my job? Like, if he would have copped an attitude, I would have been like, good for you. But he went on to talk about sitting in defensive meetings, his poster board of, like, an uh, what you, inspirational poster board of his core values, and then this is the part I literally laughed out loud. Howie swooped in and saved him by going, hey, I, I haven't had a question. I haven't had a question. Somebody asked me a question. And I was like, damn, son. Howie just did you a favor. And that was the most horrifying part of it.
0: I know I'm going to get killed again for being a Sirianni cheerleader. Oh, oh, look at you. I got to just say it. Don't you think that we are really underestimating the effects of a Super Bowl hangover? This is the reason why no NFC team has gotten back to a Super Bowl after losing in 50 damn years. And when we talk about the quote-unquote epic collapse... This team was not a 10-1 and football team. We said it every single week we came on the show. They're not playing that great of football. Mm -hmm. They're getting lucky. They're not that good. And then they finally showed us who they were the last six games of the season, and now it's fire Nick Sirianni because he hasn't been able to do what literally, this is not an exaggeration, this is not a cheerleader, no coach in NFL history has ever gone to a Super Bowl lost both his offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator, and won more than 11 games and gotten past the divisional round. So because Nick Sirianni wasn't able to do something that no NFL coach in the history of the Super Bowl era has ever been able to do, he's a clown and he should be fired. (laughs) To me, that's an overreaction. Uh, That sounds totally appropriate to me. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's talk about Vic Fangio. Let's yeah, get some yeah. positivity going here. What do you think of the hire? I, I support it. I like the hire. Before you answer, let me tell you this, and I kind of gave away the answer. 2019, there was an interview done by ESPN. They talked to Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur, three of the best offensive minds in the NFL, and they asked those three coaches, which defense is the most difficult to read and attack? You know what they all said? Every one of them? Uh, Jonathan Gannon. No. Uh, Vic Fangio. <laughs> Vic Fangio. So what do you think of this hire? Uh,
1: I I know I should hate it, and I know a lot of people hate it because they're tired of the name Vic Fangio, but I liken it to this, and I think it's a pretty easy comparison. Okay, If you're a music fan, for instance, do you go see the cover band or do you want to see the actual band? Because over the last three seasons here, we've seen the Vic Fangio uh, cover band. Like, I don't know, uh, Pearl Jam by Jonathan Gannon. Like, I don't want to see that. I want to see Pearl Jam. I don't want to see the cover band to Pearl Jam. And now this is what you're getting. You're also getting not just the actual guy running the show. You're getting a guy with all that experience and a guy who was established and respected in the league. I look at this defensive coordinator hiring like I wanted the Eagles to look at a new head coach hiring. I want to see a head coach of this football team that I know is in charge. Even if... Jeffrey Laurie's is going to do his meddling, even if Howie Roseman is going to have his input, if the analytic department is going to have their input, I at least want to know that the guy making decisions on game day is the guy in charge. And that guy is my head coach. That's why I wanted Jeffrey Laurie to just bowl up however much money it would take and throw it in the face of Jim Harbaugh and say, come on over, fella. Let's, let's cure the, the problem we have right now with this quarterback. Let's help out this offense. Let's bring in some new ideas. Maybe you get the band back together for the success that they had or the good runs that they had in the Fangio-Harbaugh era in San Francisco. Maybe you put that together. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But I look at this defensive coordinator hiring with Vic Fangio as if it is the right move right now with this Eagles team. They have been so enthralled with his philosophy. I heard you say it through the break. We'll finally get the guy. If you want the Fangio defense, get Vic Fangio. They got Vic Fangio, and I think it's a guy that the Eagles will respect enough to build
0: a good defense. I agree, and people are responding to me saying the 2019. They oh, well, it's five years. It's 2024. Well, let's look at what the Miami Dolphins defense did. Now, this is a defense last season under Vic Fangio who had a lot of injuries. Jalen Ramsey missed time. Jalen Phillips missed time. Bradley Chubb missed time. Andrew Van Ginkle missed time. This defense still finished top 10 in yards against, top 10 in takeaways, top 10 in rushing yards against, top three in sacks, top three in pressure rate. I'm excited for this hire. I agree with you. I'm excited for it. Now, let me ask you this. They bring on a veteran guy in Vic Fangio at defensive coordinator who, if the Eagles have a good season, you're probably not losing him, which is a positive. What do you want to see on the offensive side of the football? Do you want to see a coordinator that has a similar resume, a veteran guy that they're not going to lose? Or do you want that young, up-and-coming offensive coordinator? Uh, to me, look, if you're
1: good, you're good. Experience certainly solidifies the idea of being good. And, and one last thing on Fangio, I remember going out. I was in San Francisco a lot when those hardball teams were were doing their thing with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick and Vic Fangio on defense. And I remember watching that defense and how crisp they were with tackling, how disciplined they were with staying in their lanes. And that's one of the things I really jump back to. I know people talk about quarters and people talk about not blitzing and all that fun stuff, but, like, the discipline of the defense is what stuck out to me about those San Francisco teams that Vic Fangio ran defensively. Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to. As far as how this goes from this point on with the offensive side of the football, I'm looking for a guy to come in here and take what, what Nick Sirianni bequeathed away yesterday, which was control. I need a play caller in here. I need a creative play caller in here. I need someone who is going to be uh, fresh. Uh, look at, uh, have an objective uh, standpoint on what happened last year with this team and have an, have an answer for it as to why you saw your defense get into the end zone towards the end of the season more so almost than you saw your offense get into the end zone. Like that's to me, that's mind numbing to me. So when I see that new guy come in, I want to see somebody take command of the offense. I want to see somebody take command of the quarterback and help them along the way if if Jalen Hurts is is openly honest about being coached hard, and I think he is, then I need to see somebody come in there and coach him hard and make him a more disciplined quarterback. So then those situations they have late in games, and the one I always go back to is 8.15 left in the Seattle game, he's throwing the ball downfield on first and 10 when they're up four points. There is no way, shape, or form that he shouldn't have been chewed out for that ridiculous play call. And if he does want to do his own thing, that shows a lack of confidence in the play caller and Brian Johnson. So someone that is going to hit it off with Jalen Hurts, someone that is going to have him um, approach the game from a mental standpoint, the correct way, similar to what we saw a year ago, not what we saw throughout this past season. And someone that is going to, yes, get away from the bubble screens, be able to throw to a running back from time to time. Someone that is going to build in a hot route for his quarterback when everybody and their mother is blitzing him left and right to start next season. Someone that's going to help him adapt. Someone that will bring in that RPO again and use that with a little bit more um, uh, regularity. That's what I need to see, young or old. I don't care. I want to see somebody come in here that is going to have uh, th- going to have the the knowledge of how to bring a quarterback along.
0: Okay, I can I can get on board with that, Farsi. I can get on board with that. But l- before I let you out the door, because we're running out of time here, let's switch gears from the Eagles. A lot of question marks. And I want to talk about something incredible that we saw this week that you and I didn't get a chance to talk about. The 70-point performance by our man Joel Embiid. How cool was that, Farz? I've said all year, and I said it in the
1: offseason, the the regular season is just entertainment. It's just entertainment. It's, for me, the preseason leading up to the playoffs where things actually matter. And, you know, I'm going to take it for exactly that. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. I marveled at the performance. Before he got to even, I think it was before he got to 40 points, I was just watching him manhandle uh, Victor Yama like crazy in that game. It was like, it was like, uh, you know, playing basketball with your dad when you're a little kid. Like it was just like you had no, it was dad strength versus toddler strength is what it looked like. It was unbelievable. So I was admiring that. I was admiring the fluidity of his game, hitting shots from the top of the key, hitting shots from the foul line, uh, just outside the block, watching him work in the paint. It was unreal. And then he starts to inch closer and closer to, you know, 60 points and 70 points. And he got to 70, and night I just sat there and I just went, I've never – I have never in my lifetime – now I'm young. I think uh, Doc, uh, 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 Dr. J was – I think I was seven when he retired. So I can't really appreciate the greatness that he was, but I've heard the word effortless used when when, when associated with Dr. River, uh, Doc Rivers. Or Doc Rivers, God forbid. Doc Rivers, Dr. J. God forbid for Jeez, me. Mary and Joseph. Anyway, um, I've never seen a 76er in my lifetime make the game look that effortless. Absolutely effortless. Allen Iverson made it look hard, man. I mean, sure, the crossover <laughs> yeah. was great, but I didn't want to dribble amongst the trees, as Mark Zumoff would say, hit the deck every single That looked hard, man. No thanks. Joel Embiid makes the game just look easy. Like he's just out there having fun playing. It's like sometimes he, you know what? The only time I ever see him make basketball look that easy is that pickup game he ran behind the Whole Foods on South Street. that, that That's the only other time I've seen him make basketball look that easy. It was absolutely unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and, and too many fans, I've been trying to tell them because I was guilty of this as well, saying, Oh, well, do it in the playoffs, do it in the playoffs. But now what we've seen over the last month and a half, two months with Joel is you gotta enjoy what we're watching because we truly are watching one of the greatest performances we've ever seen. Yeah. From not only a 76er, but like an NBA player, what he's doing on the court. So I think we do need to enjoy it. And we'll get to the playoffs. Hopefully, yeah. we'll beat Doc Rivers in the second round. That'd be poetic justice.
1: He's he's never taken over a team that that had already won. So this will be interesting. Usually he's got, I got to show him how to win. Well, they know right. how to win. They got to show you how to win again. Two quick things on Joel Embiid. One, I loved after the game, what he said to Joker about how he's the best player in the league because he's got that championship. So that lets me know that it's on Joel Embiid's mind. Then yeah, in his no. post-game interview, he said something similar. He said, this doesn't mean anything. We got to win in the playoffs. And I went, that's my man. Good good on you, Joel.
0: Yeah, hopefully he already got that MVP award. So now we could focus on the championship. So Farzy, always a pleasure, man. Even though we haven't been seeing eye-to-eye lately, <laughs> Always love my man, Mark Farzad. I'm going to talk to Spuds. Maybe he'll bring me on the dark side with you, my friend. I know. i was spending <laughs> too much time. He doesn't come on anymore. Now that the season's over, we don't bring him on on yeah. Tuesdays. So maybe I'll replace him. I, I should get Big Sills on the show instead. That would be complete, <laughs> No, when are you going to get Big Dom? When are you going to get your boy? When are you going to get
1: DeSandro, Sirianni, and and Fangio? For a little? a little uh, man. For a little God
0: Lamad. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to change the name of the team, maybe. Yeah, right. but yeah, oh my big, God. big Dom, man, I, I would love to have him on. He he will he'll never talk. Nah, never. Nah, 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 no witnesses, no witnesses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Farzi, I appreciate you, my brother. I'll see you next week. See you, bud. Take it easy. Always fun spending some time with Mark Farzetta, and I see you guys in the chat. I see you getting mad at me about Nick Sirianni. I just firmly, firmly believe that you cannot fire a coach coming off of a super bowl loss where you've lost both coordinators where your defense severely lacked personnel can we all agree on that I feel like you guys agree with me on that that this defense did not have the personnel to compete the defense wasn't good enough to me that's not on Nick Sirianni what we saw on the offensive side of the ball absolutely That is on Nick Sirianni. He told us time and time again, this was his offense. But you cannot fire a head coach coming off of a Super Bowl where he lost both coordinators, had a decimated defense. Just doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense, guys. And look, everybody was saying to fire him because look at the coaches who are available. I've told you before. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie were never going to hire Bill Belichick. They were never going to hire Jim Harbaugh. They were never going to hire Mike Vrabel. It wasn't going to happen. One, defensive coaches, Vrabel and Belichick. Retreads, Vrabel and Belichick. Although Jim Harbaugh's an offensive coach, they weren't going to bring in a guy with that type of personality. They just weren't going to do it. Right or wrong, they weren't going to do it. So you wanted to move on from Sirianni, a guy we know has had success in this league, a guy who was trying to do something no NFL coach has ever done, and who were you going to fire him for? You weren't getting one of those big names. So we were going to have to roll the dice. It's a crapshoot. You can hire a great offensive coordinator. Doesn't mean they're going to be a good head coach. We've seen it. You've seen the New York Giants struggle. You've seen other teams struggle. Look at the Los Angeles Chargers. They just hired Harbaugh. Why? Because they fired Brandon Staley, a guy who was a hot name a couple years ago. Just because you're a good coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. So I will take the devil I know in Nick Sirianni, who's had a lot of success in this league, over the unknown for this Philadelphia Eagles football team. But guys, like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History. We've been spending a lot of time talking about Joel Embiid and his 70-point game, and whenever Joel Embiid's name comes up, so does Wilt Chamberlain's name. So today in sports history, January 25th, 1960, Wilt Chamberlain put up 58 points in a game, which was the most ever by an NBA rookie. As a rookie for the Philadelphia Warriors against the Detroit Pistons on January 25th, 1960, Wilt Chamberlain put up 58 points. Guy was just on a different freaking level, man. Different level. But you can see the Sixers in action tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow here on the Power Hour. The Fly Guys back in action tonight against the Red Wings. We'll talk about that as well. And I'm sure we'll still have some some things to talk about with our Philadelphia Eagles. But like I tell you guys every day, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. My man Flexin and Steppin sent me a message yesterday on Instagram. So I love that we can connect when you follow me on social. Send me some messages. Engage on my posts we're posting daily content about the philadelphia eagles so guys appreciate spending the hour hit that like button on the way out and as always go birds go for the polls and the pools go for the ooze and the oz go for the bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com